Ruth 2, 1-12. Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Amen. All right. Lord, I thank you for my mom and for the privilege of her being able to speak today. I pray that the word would just be anointed and uh, you just fill this place with your Holy Spirit and um, you just speak through her and you just speak to our hearts today, Father God, and that we would hear what we need to hear, God. And yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. So I don't know. I guess they make these things for really tall people. So hopefully you can see me over. <laughs> I can barely over this thing. So I'm going to talk to you today about Ruth chapter 2. And um, I really believe that this book is a really significant book in all of scripture. And that's because um, if Ruth and Boaz do not meet, the, then Christ doesn't come because it come, he, he comes through the li- that line. And so Jerry's going to teach more about that in chapter 4 in two weeks. But so I just wanted to mention that because it is very significant. And um, I just want to give you a quick recap of chapter 1 of Ruth, just in case you weren't here last week. Um, I just, there, we start out with meeting Naomi, and she's an Israelite from Bethlehem. She moves to Moab with her husband and two sons because of a devastating famine. And her two sons marry Moabite women, one of which is Ruth. They live in Moab for 10 years, and while there, Naomi's husband dies, and then her two sons both die, leaving Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha all widows without any children. Orpha decides to return to her people, but Ruth makes a huge, life-changing decision to leave everything that she knows in Moab and move to a foreign place in Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. So let's just try to understand this situation for these women. To be a widow in that culture 
was devastating, especially if there were no other sons in the family to take care of them and no children to carry on the family name. It's difficult for any woman at any time in history to lose their husband, but at that time, it was the men who would care and provide for the women. So now these women are left poor without any hope for the future. Naomi was already older than childbearing age, and Ruth was giving up any opportunity to get remarried in her own homeland. And she did that because of her deep, deep love for Naomi and her care for her. Ruth was a Moabite, and the Moabite people, they worshipped many gods. But what Ruth said, now she's going to choose to make Naomi's God her God. She was deciding to leave her many gods behind and follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we learn now in chapter one that Naomi had become very bitter because of all of the loss that she had experienced. But it seems that Ruth still had hope and determination. She made the decision um, that demonstrated bravery, faith, and obedience to the Lord. I'm sure that previously Ruth had seen Naomi's faith and in God. But right now, Naomi was struggling in her faith, and Ruth was able to encourage her. I love how God places people in our lives at just the right time, just like Lee was saying, to encourage us when we feel hopeless. That's why we need one another. Um, Naomi was feeling depressed, but Ruth was standing by her side. I remember a friend of mine telling me once that sometimes we feel too weak to hold up our own shield of faith. And that's at times like that, that's when we need a friend to stand in front of us and hold up that shield for us. And I believe that that's what Ruth was doing for Naomi at that time. So now we arrive at chapter two, where we we begin to learn more about Ruth's character and we meet a man named Boaz. Chapter 2 begins with the narrator giving us some inside information, and it begins by informing us that Naomi has a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Amalelech. He was a man, of, a man of standing, which means that he was upright, he had a good character, and his name was Boaz. So when Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem, it just so happened to be the beginning of the barley harvest. The annual barley harvest happened usually in the month of April. So Ruth asks her mother-in-law if she can go into the fields and to pick up some leftover grain behind anyone who would show her favor, which was Ruth's way of trying to provide for the two of them. And Naomi agrees, and she allows her to go glean in the fields, it says. Gleaning was part of the Mosaic law, where the harvesters would leave a little bit of grain behind and for the poor, and then they could come and gather what was left over. Leviticus 19, 9-10 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the foreigner and the, for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord." This Mosaic law instructed farmers in Israel that they should not completely harvest their fields. They were commanded to cut corners in harvesting and to always leave some behind. 
If they happened to drop a bundle of grain, they were commanded to leave it on the ground and not to pick it up. This was one of the social assistance programs in Israel, and it was a wonderful way to help the poor. It commanded the farmers to have a generous heart, and it commanded the poor to be active and to work for their own food. It was a way for them to provide for their own needs with dignity. So in verse 3, it says, As it turns out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So Ruth happened upon fields belonging to her husband's relative. Then in verse, in the next verse, it says, as it it turns out, sorry, in that same verse, it says, as it turns out, another version, other versions say, now she just happened to end up or she just happened to come. And then in verse four, it begins with just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Some translations uh, at the beginning of that verse say, now behold, or at that very moment. So I just want you to pay attention to the language that's used in verses three and four, because I believe that they're very significant. These words in the Hebrew that are used twice can be translated as her chance chanced upon, meaning that she found it by chance. But really, Ruth came to that field ultimately because God was guiding her. Boaz was a very wealthy man, and so we can assume that he owned a lot of land and property in various places. So for him to arrive at that same field at the same time as Ruth is pretty amazing. And it was God leading them to each other. So Boaz asks his harvesters who this young woman is. And to, to fill him out about, um, he wants to find out who she is. And the harvesters fill him in about who she is because I'm sure that as soon as Naomi arrived back in Bethlehem, the word spread about her return and everyone knew what was going on. So it says that Ruth worked steadily from morning until the point that Boaz arrived. So I'm sure that the harvesters reported to Boaz about her hard work ethic. Then in verse 8, Boaz speaks to Ruth for the first time, and he addresses her as my daughter. And it, it probably could be because she was much younger than him, or it could just be a respectful way that he addresses her. He says, don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay with the women who work for me. Watch, in, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and drink from the water jars the men have filled. I believe that we learn a lot about Boaz's character in verse 8. He has a lot of favor and grace towards Ruth and offers protection for her. As you can imagine, as a young poor, beautiful widow, a foreigner who doesn't have any other men in her life to watch out for her, she would have been extra vulnerable to being taken advantage of by the men in the fields. Unfortunately, most women have to be aware of situations like this even today, and Ruth was especially vulnerable because of her situation. 
So it's very, it was very kind of Boaz to take special precautions to protect her by speaking to the men and telling them not to touch her, as well as instructing her to stay close to the other women. So even the way that Boaz greets his workers previously in verse 4, he says, the Lord be with you. And it's an inst- I think that's an indication to us that he was a pretty godly man. So Ruth responds to Boaz's kindness by bowing with her face to the ground, and she asks Boaz, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replies that he has heard about what she has done for for her mother-in-law, how she left her own mother and her own father and her own homeland to come and live with a people that she did not know. He is so impressed by her character and what she had done for her mother-in-law. So Boaz then speaks blessing over her, and he says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz then even invites Ruth to have lunch with the other harvesters. He allows her to eat all that she wants. She eats, and she even has leftovers, and she keeps them aside for her mother-in-law. So after lunch, Boaz speaks to the harvesters again, and he tells them, don't embarrass Ruth or make her feel bad, and pull up extra uh, stalks and leave them on the ground for her to pick up. And he tells them, don't rebuke her for that. So Boaz is just going, he's going way above and beyond to protect Ruth. I wonder what the harvesters were thinking and the other women um, about this extra kindness and favor that Boaz was showing Ruth. Maybe they would have been a little bit jealous, or maybe they just assumed it was because she was from his, um, her, one of his relatives' um, widowed, you know, the wife, because they were a relative. We can only assume what they were thinking. But then in verse 17, it says, Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephah. So an ephah of grain is a huge amount of grain. It would be equivalent to about five and a half gallons of grain, which was enough to feed a family for about a week and a half to two weeks. And a normal day of gleaning you would be able to collect enough food for one meal. So she had enough for almost two weeks of food. So Ruth, she, just, she didn't stay home just hoping that God would provide for um, her and Naomi. She was proactive, and she went out, even though she knew it wouldn't be easy and it could, may even be dangerous for her. But she was a woman who had determination and a good worth, work ethic. And through Boaz, God rewarded Ruth and provided all that she needed and way beyond, way more. So then Ruth carried all that she had gathered home. And when Naomi saw how much she gathered and that she even had leftovers from her lunch, Naomi asked, where did you glean today? Can you imagine how shocked she was when she saw the amount that she had brought home? She says, where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So Ruth told her that the one she worked for was Boaz, and her mother-in-law said, Ruth, 
That man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our guardian redeemers. And I think because Naomi had been feeling depressed and she had forgotten that they even had a relative, her husband had a relative, Boaz. So when Ruth said her name, she was probably reminded. And I think that when Naomi saw that all that was provided, revival happened in her heart. I believe she was reminded about the goodness of God and that he had not forgotten about her, that God was still with her, that he was still taking care of her. And I believe it was a turning point in Naomi's life, and she began to have hope again. So Naomi proceeds to say really nice things about Boaz's character. She says, he has not stopped showing kindness to the living or the dead which tells us that he had a pretty good reputation about showing kindness to people. She also mentions that he's one of our guardian redeemers. What's a guardian redeemer? Uh, The Hebrew word for guardian redeemer is goel, and the Bible refers to God as goel, as a guardian redeemer for for Israel from Egyptian slavery in Exodus 6.6. So at that time, uh, the community would designate a group of close relatives that would be responsible for getting family members out of difficult situations. And the office of a redeemer was threefold. They were someone who would buy back forfeited inheritance. They would avenge the blood of a family member who had been murdered. And they would take the widow of a deceased relative So Naomi then proceeds to encourage Ruth to continue to work, continue to work in Boaz's fields under his protection. And the last verse tells us that Ruth continued to work in the fields and into the wheat harvest, which continued for another month after the barley harvest. So something else to note in chapter two is that about God's favor on Ruth's life. Favor is defined as an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. So in verse 2, Ruth says, let me pick up grain in whose field I find favor. And then in verse 10, Ruth asks Boaz, why has she found such favor in his eyes? And then in verse 13, Ruth says to Boaz, may I continue to find favor in your eyes? I believe that When we do what's right in the Lord's eyes, we will experience these acts of kindness beyond what is due, beyond what is usual. And it's an extra blessing when we serve the Lord. Ruth was hoping for favor. Then she received it, and then she asked for more favor. So in this chapter, Ruth meets Boaz in the grain field, and her story takes a turn for the positive. With this chance first meeting with Boaz and Ruth. In this chapter, we see subtle signs of the hand of God's providence on Ruth's life. What is providence? The dictionary defines it as the protective care of God as a spiritual power or as timely preparation for future events. The word comes from the Latin meaning to foresee or to attend to. So God was attending to Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi. He was protectively caring for them and their futures. 
Because of Ruth's obedience to follow the Lord to a place and a people that weren't her own and to help provide care for this widowed mother-in-law, the Lord blessed her for that. He provided for her beyond measure, and he guided her to Boaz's field at the exact same moment that he arrived. So when we look back, like when I, I was thinking about this as I look back on my own life and how I've seen God's hand of providence on my life, and I thought, you know, if I hadn't decided to do my third year of Bible college in Israel, I would have never met my husband, Jason. And if I had taken, if I hadn't taken the wrong subway in London, England in 1994, I would have been on the one that was bombed. And if we hadn't listened to God's voice to move to Antalya this past summer, Emre would not be a part of our life today. So God's hand of providence has been all over our lives, protecting our futures. But look, Naomi and Ruth, they went through terrible things. They went through devastating famine. They lost their husbands. Naomi lost both of her sons. She became poor. The Bible doesn't promise that our lives will be easy and that we won't go through difficult things. Actually, John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We will have trouble, but in God we have peace as we go through these difficult things. As I was preparing this message, I heard the song, He works all things together for my good. And I realized that that song comes from Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that in all things God works for good, of the, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that's what God did for Naomi and Ruth. He was beginning to work all things together for good in their lives because they loved him. And he will do the same in our lives if we love him and we follow him. You know, I was radically saved from a life of sexual abuse, drugs, gangs, and the things, things were not good in my life. But when I gave my life to Jesus, he worked all things together for my good. And that's why I get so excited when I worship him because I'm remembering all that God has done for me. And when I go through difficult things, I just lean into the Lord for his peace. So as we look through chapter 2 of Ruth, there's so much that we can glean from this chapter, and it all points to Christ. Ruth just happened to come upon Boaz's field. Boaz happened to come to Bethlehem. It was God's ordained plan that she come to his field. God was protecting his line in order for Jesus to be born. Boaz was Ruth's guardian redeemer. And Jesus is our guardian redeemer. Boaz is a shadow of the one who is to come. Ruth's story is subtle. She doesn't have a great position. She doesn't come from a famous or godly family. She's a widow from an enemy nation with no prospects. You don't see God's voice thunder down like some other stories in the Bible or see miraculous happenings that change everything. But what you do see is Ruth's life being gradually led by God, who she believed in. And in the end, 
She could look back and see how God naturally orchestrated events in her life for his divine glory. And as you read through Ruth's story, you just see God's fingerprints all over her life. And as you trust in the Lord and as you're obedient to him, you will also see the Lord's fingerprints all over your life as well. When I look at my children, I see the Lord's fingerprints all over my life. I think about the many times that I could have or should have died, and God preserved my life and blessed me with children who now love the Lord and who are going to carry the gospel and the love of Jesus to future generations. So in Genesis 50-20, you can read about Joseph's life. He went through things like this. Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph went through terrible things, but in the end, God worked all things together for his good. And all things work together for my good, and all things will work together for your good as you serve him. Amen.